This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, September 25th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. In Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, it's author and podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hi, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, it's artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. Tata Bo Shanda. <laughs> wow. What is that? <laughs> you, know why he, you know why he just went speaking in tongues? I'm looking at the video right now. Normally, Derek, he records in his studio, everybody. He records in, he's an artist. He's, he runs a record label. He has a studio. He records with professional equipment. And, uh... Today he's on a church microphone. He's like he's, he's doing the offering right now. Y'all gonna call me Dick and Derek today? That's what we're doing. It, it is. It is like the classic. It's it's a, for for people that that want a uh, uh, more of a visual. It's the mic with it's got kind of the the skinnier like a golf ball handle a golf ball and then, on the yeah, top the of silver it, yeah. golf ball on top. Now, yeah. Derek, I feel like that in terms of uh, uh, a mega church cred uh, is. <laughs> Is second only to the flesh-colored little uh, Madonna mic that goes yeah. from the ear about halfway down to the mouth, and and I never understood like because when 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 my pastor started doing, and I get they, I get pastors want to be hands free, right? But sure. this is uh, these are the ones that you wear in your ear. Like I said, it has a little flesh-colored, you know. Tiny, be be clear, white Unless person black, flesh. White flesh. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's like what Britney would Spears would use if she was performing at the VMAs in like right. 2008, doing a big dance number. I can exactly. see why Britney Spears needs to be hands-free in that scenario. She's probably handling like a live python around her neck. And <laughs> at that, you know what I mean? But for the the, the for the mega for the mega church pastor, one, I think you're you're fine just with the mic that Derek has. You know, the the old oh, yeah. school tried and true. Uh, you know, I mean, it, how many hands does it take to turn a page of, of of a Bible or to emphatically, you know, use your hands <laughs> to drive home the the, the message? Um, right. But uh, the, the thing about that mic is, let's not do the flesh color thing because one, it is only made for a certain <laughs> complexion of Caucasian. And two, right. and two, it, it's disorienting. Like it looks the, like a wart on the side of your face. If, if you're sitting any any further back than like five or ten rows, right. it looks like there's something weird going on on the pastor's <laughs> face. It looks like he has a it, growth. He needs to get it checked out. Yeah, That's is that what a scar? Yeah. What is happening there? Yeah. It's, it just make it you know make it like you know black or red or something where it's like okay, I can see that th- this is clearly an electronic device he has strapped to his face right but now. But I think Derek needs for today's show is to get what the ladies who did the offering special did had and it would be like a very colorful styrofoam windsock on that mic that he has. Yeah. See, you know, and like, that's that's what only thing now that's why I draw the line is the 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 bright red or bright blue windsock. That's why I they had that I learned my mom was in the worship team back in the eighties and nineties. They had uh-huh. all the different colors because the sound guy had to be able to look and see the blue mic. I need to turn it up. Oh, red is oh, too hot. I need to turn okay, it down. Okay, yeah. I never knew that. I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't know I never that either. That. Yeah, that's sure, what yeah. she told me. I, and I'll tell you something that if you want to change your life in the worst way possible, 
Go smell one of those mics. <laughs> oh, just go, gross. <laughs> just gross. Go, just go. Just mess around and accidentally get too, get your nose too close to the nope. tip of it. And that joint smells like 50 years of hot praise worship oh, garbage golly. breath. Yeah. That's well, so Sister, Tom, Sister Thompson was a spitter. You okay. know, so. <laughs> if, if, I, I have no aspirations to be a, a preacher, but if I were, I would definitely, There is, I know what microphone I would use. It's What's the greatest one? microphone ever. And that is the Price is Right the Bob Barker. That the is, Bob Barker. It's, it's no a question. Long, the long, yeah. stick oh, yeah. with just a little tiny like gumball on the top. You know? It, yeah. Yes. And I, I especially feel like in the post-COVID era, when, when churches start opening up, it, it, the, the microphone is so absurdly long that it's great for social distancing. You this know? is how much Jesse loves that microphone. We did, we did like he flew down to Orlando in our studio. We did like a live, it was called an impact week. And every week yeah. we were live streaming, we were raising money for causes. And Jesse's requirement to come and help mm. host the event was that we built him a Bob Barker mic. I needed it. It's and he needed literally, it. He, we literally made like a three foot long, ridiculous Bob Barker mic for Jesse yeah, on the video. I love so. it. I why, why is this mic so long? I I never understood. Like, <laughs> no, where, where do you buy a mic like that? <laughs> you don't. You make it. You make it. It's custom made for Bob Barker. You know, like I like to think that a producer of the show, like the first time they were going to tape, you know, they're like, "All right, Bob, here's your mic." And the producer, you know, for reasons that never were explained, made that weird long stick mic. And Bob Barker just like, "All right, I guess we're just okay. going with this thing." And and look, it's part of TV uh, heritage right now. You know, facts. Well, we have a great show in store for you. Coming up later, we talk to Hillsong United's Joel Houston, friend of the show. He joins us. Uh, We talk about, well, a lot of stuff. It's a weird time right now for worship in the church with all the Mm. COVID. So uh, stay Mm. tuned for that. And uh, we have the hot list and it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a fun one. All right, guys, stay tuned. Up next, it'll be the hot list. Oh, God, run into the altar like a track star. Can't wait another second Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy I don't do well with the drama And no, I can't stand it being fake No, 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 no I don't believe in Nirvana You're listening to Justin Bieber featuring Chance the Rapper The song is holy I gotta tell you, I love this song I love it I am here for it. It's I the love best Bieber song it. and Chance song. It's Chance's first number one ever. Oh, oh wow. good. Congrats, man. Congrats, yeah. Chance. I'm here so, for the Biebs. Yeah, It's a good song. Let's Happy get it. for him. All right. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals or keeping you from experiencing peace? With the heaviness of all that's happening in our world right now, it can be difficult to find peace and purpose. And that's why there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can uh, message your counselor anytime. To top it all off, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash relevant. All right, it's time for... It's the hot list, the hot list. It's 
Welcome to the show. Our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee, bringing us what's happening this week at the intersection of faith and culture. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. The first thing I just, I, I, when I was talking to Cameron about this, it was kind of obvious uh, once again. It's not always obvious, but it's obvious what the lead hot list story has to be this week. Uh, I don't know if you all have kept an eye on this news, but Jesus is coming back to theaters. And we <laughs> Wait, are getting what? the long awaited follow up to the Passion of the Christ. Uh, according to a scoop from, of all places, Breitbart News, uh, Jim Caviezel, who starred as Jesus in the 2004 mega hit, The Passion of the Christ, which was, and this is true, the highest grossing R-rated movie in history at the time. It, wow. it, had, it held that title for a few years. It's not that anymore, but for a few years it was. Wow. Uh, it's getting a follow-up called Passion of the Christ Resurrection uh, Caviezel told Breitbart, quote, Mel Gibson just sent me the third draft. It's coming. It's going to be the biggest film in world history. Wow. wow. <laughs> well, maybe he's talking literally. They're covering the biggest story in world history. Yeah. Yeah. The material no, runs is the biggest Kind of. <laughs> Derek's already out. I'm, 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 bro, I, I'm asleep. Wait, you didn't ride the church bus down to the theater nah. and see it and buy the tickets with your... Church congregation. I'm gonna keep it gangster. I have not seen it at all. You Never haven't seen, seen it. We, I no. watch it like around Easter. You guys, it, it's nope. it's a movie that I've seen. Ivy House tradition. I, I've seen one time, and 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 I don't Same. really have too much of a desire to revisit because I like. I I think it's a powerful movie watching experience, but I don't know that you know it's the most. Uh, not I don't want to say accurate, but the most like well-rounded presentation of the gospel. I mean, you're pretty much just watching Jesus Christ be, you know, brutally brutal. tortured yeah. for for, I'm good. for the extent of the movie. I did, though, see an interview. Tyler, you may remember this years ago, a couple years ago. Mel Gibson was on Colbert and, and you know, both of those guys are, are devout Catholics. And Mel Gibson, you know, hinted that th- that the, the sequel to The Passion would actually somehow take place in uh, not an earthly realm. Like when Jesus goes, mm-hmm. descends to hell to, to take the yeah. keys yeah. Of, of death from, you know, from the powers of darkness. Mel Gibson. Oh, hold kinda, on. You, you said this, this uh-huh. right here is going to be that? Yeah. Th- th- yeah. That's what Mel Gibson has has Are you telling said. me that they're about to turn the Passion of the Christ into a Marvel movie? Is that what you're telling me right now? Well, the Bible kind of is, is, is this about to happen? All right, no, I'm sorry, Jesse. I interrupted you. No, no. I just was shocked when you said that. Yeah. I'm sorry. But like, like, so is, yeah, I heard it's that story. It's hell and back up to the ascension. So it's like that. Yeah. We don't really know. This yeah, is all, yeah. none of this is confirmed at this point, but it does. There have been taught, Mel Gibson has talked in the past about how he wants to, and this is not a universal aco- across all Christian theology about what happened after Jesus died, but the harrowing of hell is this idea that Jesus went down to hell after he died and he like had it out with Satan and maybe he talked to some of the damned who were down there and, and maybe he pulled a few out. There's all sorts of different interpretations about what that means or what that looks like. It's definitely a part of Gibson's Catholic theology. So it would make sense that if he were to focus on the Passion of the Christ resurrection, which is what this is supposed to be about, it wouldn't just be a very long, slow shot of the of the stone rolling away, right? Like something would have to happen besides what we've already saw with the death. So that is a possibility, but that would be a very different movie than what we got a number of years ago with the first Passion movie. So maybe it'll all be white too, right? Well, yeah, that was part of it. 
That's been, <laughs> that's been the issue. <laughs> and, and how old is Jim Caviezel now, too? Like, the Passion of the Christ like 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. are they yeah. going to are they going to use, like, the Irishman and DH him? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because he has to play a 33-year-old, right? He yeah. would be in yeah. his... And it's not like Mel's reputation has had the best ensuing era since the since the first movie came out. I, and I and I say this as somebody who thinks the first movie is a really well made piece of art. I really do. I think Gibson's a, a gifted filmmaker, but the guy has been caught on tape saying some pretty ugly things. He's fifty one uh, years old. Jim Caviezel. Fifty one. Fifty one years old. Yeah, Jesus never hit fifty one while he was on Earth. <laughs> yeah. that, that didn't happen. Um, so Mel is Mel has apologized for some of the the anti-Semitic comments that he's made he's said some very he's he was caught on tape verbally abusing his former partner uh so that's not you know we don't want to cancel people we don't want to say people can't be forgiven obviously i would just say that the years haven't been kind and we need to bear in mind that this is all coming via breitbart so the information is still a little uh that their history of reporting isn't necessarily super solid either but it does sound like Caviezel did say this and it sounds like it is in the works and is happening <sighs> it would be interesting <laughs> hypothetically for the Derricks of the world if it only took place from Friday night to Sunday morning like it that was the entire movie like yeah. it was all in the when he was dead realm you yeah. know yeah, well, Derek nah, hasn't bro. seen the first one, so he's going to be really behind. Bro, I'll just watch The Boys or I'll just watch The Avengers. <laughs> Y'all are not finna put Jesus in superhero clothes when and we, spandex. When we posted this on Instagram, that. it was like in the caption, we joked, we're like, hey, you know, click to read more details, but but be warned, we have some spoilers from the first movie. <laughs> and people very seriously in the comments were like, that movie's been out for like 20 years. Who cares about spoilers? And I was like, the story was written 2,000 years ago. Who cares about spoilers? The spoilers are in the Bible. What are you talking about? Yeah. Listen, before you read this post, I just want to let you know that you can, uh, you know, it has been out for about 2,000 years. So if you haven't gotten caught up by now, uh, there are a lot of evangelists that will gladly bring you up to speed. The, the, the other thing I feel like, well, if Derek's I, got the evangelist mic right now, so Derek, you want to show? Shando, Derek, that's a mic that someone like plugs into a, an old guitar amp and starts shouting at people like at, at a busy intersection with. You know? No, no lie. All right, listen. I'm going to tell y'all the truth. I was doing a show, and it was a tour not too long ago, and it was the most frustrating thing in the world. I get there, and they don't have anything. So, only person that pulls up is this deacon who's running the sound because you know at black churches the deacons running the sound all the time. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, where's the subwoofers at? You can't do rap without no subwoofers. He said, well, I could just plug the SM58 and put it next to the bass amp if you need some bass. <laughs> bro, I bro, I almost, I wanted to kill myself at that time. So just, just letting y'all know. Hey, hey. Listen, this this mic, me and, me and this mic, we go way back. So, you know what I mean? At least you could hear the bass. I think I've only heard the bass guitar at church maybe three times. Like, only, like most of the time, I think they're just out there. Like, I'm serious. Next time, and who knows when that'll be for all of us, but next time you're at like a live worship, you're like, I don't think that bass was on you know like i've been i had a buddy that ran sound and he like people in the band it was like this was like a, a, a normal thing that would happen on a sunday someone in the in the praise band would like point at their instrument and give it like the thought like turn me up more turn me up turn me up and, and, and my friend would look down at the board and mime like he's like pressing a lever up and he's like looking at the person like that good that good and he's not doing anything and the, and the person on the instrument's like 
Yeah, that's better. Thank you. <laughs> yep. I was like, that's, how, that's what you got to do, because everyone in the band asked for me to turn them up every single week. Uh, every week. Every week. All right, what, do you have, what else do you have, Tyler? Uh, so this is a, an interesting report that came out of, out of Texas. Uh, so we have our, I'm, I'm glad we have our roving reporter on the ground over there who can give us the inside scoop. Um, but a report says that a young Texas pastor says he lost his preaching license because he endorsed Joe Biden on social media. Oh, can, um, I, can, I, can I interrupt real quick? <laughs> there's such thing as a preaching license? Yeah, we're going to yes. have to get into this a little bit. There's there's a lot of layers. Where yeah, is the, a lot about how things yes. work in Texas okay. with this that, story. It's not Texas. That's denominations. Denom- Denominations have like you go through their yeah, seminary. Yeah, you get a license you, if you're you a pastor. A license, yeah. yeah, you get a ticket. <laughs> well, you should, they, you should get a license, so we don't have. So that is one of the things that would hopefully protect people from. Well, but Jamie, real, real quick before we get to the story, like who issues the license? Is it like a the denomination? Know, does. The denomination. Uh, so, so it's like ordination, basically. It yes. is part of the okay. story. Okay. So okay. the the uh, in this case, and I think in most cases. You do an internship at a church, like a year-long internship, and then that pastor is in charge of giving you your license and, uh, in this case, uh, can revoke that license if they, uh, he most likely chooses to do that. So uh, let me let me give you the broad, the, there's a lot to this story, but uh, there's a guy, he's 21 years old. His name is David Bumgardner. He had Such just a completed- Such yeah. yeah, 21. He had just completed- uh, he had gone through Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he had done his year-long internship at Faith Memorial Baptist Church in Archer City. Uh, just got his license on July 19th. A few days later, he posted on Facebook about his intention to vote for Biden. He says he's a Republican himself, but he would nevertheless be voting against his party in the presidential election. This is what he said. I'm voting for Joe Biden to get the most egotistical, hypocritical, divisive, deranged, and dangerous man to ever hold presidential office out of the Oval. I'm voting for Joe Biden because he will bring decency back to the White House. And uh, he went on from there a little bit. I'm a conservative, Bible-believing, Orthodox, Evangelical Baptist and believe the best way to serve my neighbors and steward my vote is by helping Joe Biden get to the White House. Now, this got quite a bit of attention. It got passed around quite a bit in the the, the church Facebook circles situation. Uh, not all the attention was positive. And soon after, his the pastor who had given him his preacher's license, Avery Spray, informed, informed Bumgardner that his license to preach would not be renewed next year. Um, he said that in this case, he had considered the license to be kind of a learner's permit and that this Facebook post <laughs> had apparently showed him that he was not, uh, he was not up to the job of preaching. Um, he said to the, he told the Baptist standard who reported this story. He said this, he said, I couldn't what, care what less. Is, what is the Baptist standard? I also don't it's, know about it's like the a Baptist li- like, newspaper for Baptists. No, I know. I'm saying, oh, but in general, for Baptist? yeah, what's the Baptist know. standard here? <laughs> I, when, like, when I when I was growing up, it was it mainly applied uh, to uh, you know this is just how it was at the time. It's, it yeah. was two inches above the knee for yeah. shorts or skirts. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Baptist. I think that was the Baptist standard. Yeah, I think if you hold your arms down at your side, if your fingertips aren't, but at then the you can pull your pull your shoulders up, and then you get another inch. You know, yeah, but, but I don't know how ba- I know that. That, that was the Baptist standard, right, Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. But my question is with the license because we talked earlier. Like I know that people get ordained and they can become pastors that way but i honestly have never heard of someone getting their having to have their license to pre- <clears throat> their license to preach renewed every year i've never heard that in my entire life 
Maybe maybe certain churches have to have like the denomination requires that only licensed preachers have the pulpit, and then that means that they you know hit all the check boxes that the denomination lays out. You know, the kind I've of never thing. heard that. And it's not the same thing as ordination because okay. he was not because he was not ordained, but he was on the according to this, the preacher's license was part a step in the formal ordination process, which mm. he obviously after this is no longer on. Um, so Spray, the pastor who had worked with him, said, I couldn't care less about his political views. My concern is that his post caused discord among brothers and did not promote gospel unity. Oh, dear Lord. But, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, but so, said, so it's the kid's fault that uh, there's discord, not the, the person who's in office, who's literally, uh, he's, you know, well, whose strategy this, is to divide? This does bring up the larger question of should people in the pulpit voice partisan sure. perspectives. I wouldn't want to see it like, you know, if my pastor went on Facebook and was like posting about either candidate, like I, I kind of don't want to see him. I, I just, I mean, I, I don't think that they should be in that lane, you know? Uh, this is where it gets confusing for me because I was thinking about that even this year of I've never told anyone who I vote vote for and I probably won't this year either. But just because you tell someone who, isn't there a difference between saying here's who I'm voting for and here's why versus Here's what I'm voting for, and you should too, or else you yeah. don't love Jesus or whatever. Like, okay, I so feel like there's a okay. difference that's, in those two things. Issue. That's mm-hmm. the issue. I think it's like my, this is my problem with Christianity in general is there's this idea of autonomy is unity. The mm-hmm. idea is that we all have to be this one thing that all vote for the same person that all believe this exact everything exactly alike. And that's not unity. Unity is we may have differences, but I'm not going to I'm not going to send you to hell because you're voting for somebody I'm not voting for. I think that's yeah. what real unity is. So I don't see nothing wrong with anyone saying, hey, this is who I plan to vote for. I think you one just got to be OK with the with knowing people may look at you like, oh, that's that's weird. That's but then at the I same the time, we should is. be diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the other thing, this guy did it on his on his, he didn't do it from the pulpit, you know, like, and Cameron, yeah. I, I get your point. Like, it, it, you know, I, I don't, I think oftentimes, um, you, you know, political forces have manipulated Christian leaders and, and conflated political partisan values with, with Christian values. But I've also, seen that a lot in the last four years. I mean, yeah. that's. But Where? but but the but the, pro, the the other issue is like at least this guy is is being intellectually a, a honest with with his you know friends on Facebook because I've seen too many Christian leaders just beat around the bush and don't actually say hey I'm voting for this you know ex candidate but they'll they'll basically say everything but that you know like <laughs> they'll kind of like give these dramatic hints about why you should vote a certain way wink 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 you know and it's mm-hmm. like well at least this guy's being honest he's doing an individual platform i i know i hear you but i i mean the pastor has a has a point that is like listen i mean now that we put this guy up in the pulpit and the congregation knows that he his partisan views and if they differ in their views they're not going to receive the his message the same you know yeah and that that is the problem with them though okay like to me, that's the problem that you have crippled your con- your congregation into a perspective that they can't have opposing views on stuff. Mm. Which this is that, this that, is my new favorite saying right now. Use your brain. Like use your brain. <laughs> use your brain. That's what I mm-hmm. want to say to people all the time. Use your brain. Is because if if he says that, that pastor 
And again, if he's not saying, I think you should also vote for Joe Biden. I think that's wrong. If you yeah. if you're a pastor, if you're if that if you're leading a congregation, you can't tell your church who they should vote for. But him Which just John saying, MacArthur here's the reasons. Right. Fame, famous Southern Baptist minister, John take MacArthur, his license. last yeah, week why take said his license? all true Christians will vote for will vote for Donald Trump in the upcoming election. I don't think he's got a lot okay. of pushback on that. Yeah. And it wouldn't be OK if he said all true Christians should vote for Joe Biden. Like, it of doesn't course, matter yeah. who it is. It's not, not. OK. Um, you guys, there's this guy on Instagram that you should follow. In fact, Relevant reposted one of his Instagram posts recently. So you might already follow him. Rondell Trevino. He speaks oh, yeah, into this. Yes, he speaks into this. He's the director of the Immigration Coalition. He speaks into this conversation so well. I'm such a fan of his. And he was pumped last week when you guys reposted one of his things. But he's an Austin guy, so I really like him. Yeah, I got like 10,000 likes. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah. 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 he's saying really great things about yeah. this conversation right here. The he, kingmakers looked his way. I had a pastor. <laughs> I had a pastor friend. Like he, he mentioned like he was... Uh, uh, a campaign reached out to him to see if they could use his church for a political rally. And he was like, oh, sure. I mean, that sounds like a cool thing. And I was like, why would you ever consider that? Because now you are co-opted by that candidate and people who don't agree with that candidate will not step foot in your building yeah, because you've changed the gospel message to them. Man, you're supposed to minister to all belief systems, all political views, you shouldn't be aligning with one, even if like it's not on a Sunday morning. The fact that you're giving the building to them is making a statement. And yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm out. Never mind. You're right. Yeah, that's you know, not a good idea. He changed his mind. But yeah. like, yeah, the, the the using of the pulpit, like what MacArthur did is just egregious. But it, illegal, I get it. although rarely enforced, but but technically uh, you can't do that. Yeah, they, they would lose their, they could lose their nonprofit mm-hmm. tax status. It's yeah. not illegal, like they didn't break a law. They broke a tax code. But, right. Yeah, they, yeah. Can't, they can't drag you to jail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, but... Uh, uh, you know, it, it's such a complicated thing because I've even been in churches where they're like, well, we want to just present both sides and equip you to make your own decision. And they pass out like some card that says it has like key issues and where each side. And they're always like weirdly slanted. Like, oh, <laughs> this candidate wants to uh, uh, make sure that prayer is is uh, is allowed at any, you know, uh, school. And it's like the other side. This candidate uh, policies could potentially lead to prayer being banned everywhere in any public space and you're like well that's not it's like you know what i mean like oh thank you for equipping me with this you know propaganda it will wear bipartisan the only the only pastor (laughs) i've ever seen do it correctly was rick warren in 2000 when when was uh eight 2008 mccain obama uh he had the saddleback civil forum and he did a sit-down interview on stage that was broadcast with both candidates separately like he had a, a McCain come out and then he had Obama come out. That's and, legit. And it's just, here's our congregation. And he, we want Rick asked the candidates questions that Christians would care about. And then mm. the candidates said whatever they said. And that's that, right? I would make love up, to see that right now. Use your brain, make up your own mind. And then Rick fostered the conversation. That to me is the goal. That's the goal. That's what, if the church is going to engage at all, just inform your congregation and let's talk about the issues that Christians should care about, but we're not going to tell you how to vote after that. You know? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else do you have, Tyler? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so uh, so last up today, and this is a, this is uh, an interesting one. I'll be interested to hear you all's thoughts on this. So um, early in the pandemic days, a hundred years ago. Uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of you may remember or may have seen some of this yourself some sort of gloomy gloom and doom prophesying about what was going to happen when the coronavirus hit Africa. Uh, there was this idea that it was going to be a health emergency that would that would cripple the continent because of the the high rates of poverty in many African nations. There were calls for a preemptive influx of aid and loans to African countries. Uh, 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 there was an expert I forget who it was now called it a time bomb. So that was then. As it turns out, the nations of Africa have so far skillfully outmaneuvered the worst nightmare scenarios of the coronavirus. Just a few examples here. We can't go through them all, but Liberia, population 5 million people so far, 82 COVID-19 related deaths. Senegal, 16 million people, 300, just a little over 300 registered deaths. 12 million people in Rwanda, 26th. COVID-related deaths. Um, there's a lot we don't know about this, obviously, and obviously no no country in the world is out of the woods yet. There's no vaccine. This is still an ongoing thing. But so far, it looks like all that early prophesying ended up being just not true. So why is this happening? Again, we, there's a lot we don't know, but a big part of the reason is probably just experience. African countries have experienced serious outbreaks of infectious diseases in the past. A lot of them still have solid infrastructures in place for dealing with resurgences that could be easily adapted to COVID-19. Um, Liberia started screening passengers early at airports, quarantined anybody who came from a nation that had seen an outbreak. Senegal already had rigorous contract tracing protocols set up to deal with a Ebola outbreaks was able to offer a hospital bed or a similar similar facility to anyone who tested positive. And in Rwanda, testing and treatment for COVID-19 was free for anyone who wanted it. So there is a lot of every country is a little bit different here. But the fact that so far it does look like experience has a whole lot to do with it. And just the people there have seen these things happen before. They take them seriously. This is you're not you're not coming to a population that hasn't like in the U.S obviously, where this is sort of a new and novel experience. Uh, it's been also interesting to see how many uh, scientists and researchers have been totally flummoxed by this. And, uh, and there's probably a little bit of latent racism involved in some of the like headlines that are like, oh, we have no ah, just idea. Just a wee bit, just a wee bit. I just can't believe those dirty Negroes just didn't exactly. get it like us. Like, yeah, it's like, like absolutely it's a little bit of racism. Like, quite honestly, I if you know, and this might be controversial, but if I think if white people just left Africa alone, Africa would be just fine. Like <laughs> it's it, most of this, the tragedies that happen in Africa are because some white people went over there to save it. Like just leave it alone. I mean, every country. <laughs> Dude, that- if colonialism didn't happen in Africa, it would be yeah. the richest, most. That's what I was going like, to say. Yeah. I mean, it was just pillaged and plundered by yeah. by white Europeans. I mean, yeah. man, absolutely. Yeah, most of them, some of them missionaries. Get, uh, oh, many of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is fascinating. I mean, it's a very different culture in Africa. Obviously the lifestyles are very different. The amount of indoor space versus, you know, social uh, distance and interaction. It's just a different culture. And it's just interesting to see how different cultures are being affected by this. And, you know, the fact is, is we don't know. We don't know what's going on. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but I'm yeah. proud of, I'm, I love hearing this story because I'm I like, yes, this stories. is good. Yeah. Yes. And I'm so, yeah, yeah. it's a good thing for people to see. Look at these countries who are taking care of their people and they're doing amazing work. 
Yeah. 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 And, uh, and hopefully Boom. we can learn the right, learn the right lessons from this and not the wrong ones. This has happened sometimes in the past. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll, uh, that'll do it for the hot list. Uh, there's a lot more stories that we're covering every day at relevantmagazine.com. Go check us out. Follow us on social Instagram, Twitter, Facebook for all the latest. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks everybody. Bye, Tyler. Stay tuned. Up next, Joel Houston joins us. listening to Junior Junior. The song is Vertical. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, Joel Houston is the leader of Hillsong United. Although, is he, what do you say, leader? I mean, they always take pictures of like 17 of them. So I don't know if he's a leader or if he's just a member of, but uh, he's a founding member of. How's that? In, uh, in his time with Hillsong, uh, he's written many of the songs we love, like iconic ones like The Stand and Oceans. Our very own Tyler Huckabee sat down with Joel to talk about how he's dealt with the hard times that we've all experienced over the last few months and some of his thoughts on churches and worship leaders who continue to hold in-person services in defiance of COVID-19 guidelines. Here is part of our conversation with Joel Houston. Obviously, people are struggling. Mental health, you know, like is is a massive battle for so many right now. But you know, when you're energized and when you you fired up, that passion, I think, is one thing. But on the other side of that, you, we have to be really careful that we don't slip into utter despondency. You know, um, feeling like you know what well, we tried to make a change and, and nothing happened, or you know, like we thought we were so passionate about it, you know, and. And what that leads people to is, is a, a series of choices that if they haven't got um, support um, and so many people are isolated from friends, isolated from churches, isolated from a community, all these things are so important. I, I'm staring around going, okay, like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's going gonna, it's gonna to be terrible or anything. I'm just saying it's a perfect storm if we're not careful and we need to figure out how to address it. And I don't have the answers. I'm just kind of, that's what I've been processing. It's like, how am I going to take care of my soul? How am I going to take care of my family, my friends, the people who are in my world? Who am I going to check, check in on?
pretty fired up about the future, you know, in a positive way. And I, I can't remember if it was talking to you guys, someone else, but I remember a little while back, you know, we were talking about like, hey, one of the things that's real tricky is I think we want it to get a little darker, you know, because it's like that old metaphor you heard in, in youth group sermons where it was like, you know, if you, someone, they have a torch with all the lights on and then it's like, you, you know, you know, and it was, it was all about letting your light shine before men and, you know, not, not kind of just amongst your friends and church friends and whatnot. But I, I'm sitting there and thinking, for me, it's the opposite. I feel like there's like so much light um, in the world and so much good that people are doing and beautiful stuff and that God's doing these amazing things. But it's kind of got lost in this like creature comfort sense of like faith in Christianity and serving God and serving a God that kind of just fits all my ideals and fits, you know, my perfect way. And all the problems in the world, they're on the other side of the world because this is America and Australia and, you know, all that. And so suddenly, you know, God, he, he, he makes no illusions about the fact that there's going to be shakedowns, you know, he's going to shake every, everything up. Every foundation on earth will get shaken to its core until it's not standing and all that's left is, is the word of God. And, and, and those three things that we cling to in times like this, especially faith, hope and love. And it's like, well, I, you know, this is kind of it, you know, it's, it's, it's got to get a little darker. And I think we've got to be okay with that. And I think it's a, it really puts emphasis on, um, I guess who's going to, what's the church going to look like, you know? want these people to find Jesus, you know? And we're over here screaming about our religious liberties getting taken away, and it's absolute non nonsense, bro. Like, it's nonsense. It's like, hey, take them away. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, come on, we want it darker. Like, let's do we trust God or do we not, you know? Like, and so who are we going to be on the other side of this, bro? I get, you want to know what I get fired up about? It's like, let's get good at how we communicate to the world, how we communicate to people in our church, it's how we communicate to our friends, how we communicate um, this gospel we have on Main Street, you know, because at the moment, I think it's not pretty, you know, we're not doing a good job of representing this gospel, regardless of what side of politics you're on. more that the church um, stands up and goes out into public forums and has like let us worship parties and you know it's just it's offensive it's like there's no humility in that whatsoever like it's not that's not standing up for it. That, that's the stuff I just go that is not it that's not what it looks like now there may come a time and a place and a day right where, where that makes a bit more sense but I don't think it's during a pandemic in a moment where people are protesting against injustice that is so blatant and obvious 
and we're sitting there crying, oh, our religious freedoms. What are we talking about? There, there is no example of that in the Bible as far as I'm concerned. And I just, I think, okay, like what's going to happen now is you've offended so many of the people we're called to reach that now part of their agenda is actually taking away our religious freedoms. It was a non-issue before then. And so that's what happens time and time again. We, we create the very things we're afraid of. And so I sit there and I go, well, if we create the, the very things that we're afraid of, there's, there's a whole lot to be said that they, that they will know him by our love. You know, because if they know him by our fear, well, then what are you going to get? No, they're not going to know him by our fear or our courage in, the, in the, the sense of fear, like we're not fearful. That's not love. And I'm, don't get me wrong, God is that good that I'm sure in all these meetings and all these places where people are doing stuff, that God is actually moving because he's not going to miss a moment. If people are hungry for him, he's going to move in their lives. But I think as a whole, we could be doing so much more for our communities than having a worship protest. So don't let your heart trouble Or hold your head up Have no fear, no evil Fix your eyes on this one truth God is madly in love with you So take courage, hold on, be strong I was Joel Houston. Go check out more of that conversation at relevantmagazine.com. Listening to Blue the Tiger song is Cotton Candy Lemonade. Well, thanks to Joel for joining us on today's show. You can follow him on Instagram at Joel Houston. And hey, while you're online clicking around following people on Instagram, head over to the all new relevantmagazine.com. Like I mentioned the last couple of weeks, every week we are adding new features to the site, and this week is no different. Uh, as you're looking around the site, you can also check out the all new issue of Relevant Magazine. The September October issue is up now, featuring Maverick City Music, the Avet Brothers, Jordan Lee Dooley, and a whole lot more. Um, the piece from the mag uh, on the rise of Christian nationalism kind of uh, went wide this week. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, we're going to be publishing every other month, just like usual. A lot of changes coming, a lot of new things happening with the magazine, our new era. Go check it out. The all new relevantmagazine.com. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Jamie Ivey. Derek Minor. We'll see you on Tuesday. Have a good weekend, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com
Thank you. Relevant Podcast Network.